Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Writers' Panel. I'm Ben Blacker, the creator and moderator of the podcast. I created the show because I wanted to talk to other writers about the business and process of writing. I've had more than 500 writers on the show, so please check the archives to find more writers and more TV shows of interest to you. I'm a writer myself, having written for Supernatural, Puss in Boots, and other programs. I have a couple of cool projects out this first quarter of 2017 that I hope you'll check out. One is a Supernatural Western comic book series from Boom Publishing that I wrote with my writing partner, Ben Acker, and our friend, the TV showrunner, Andrew Miller. It's beautifully illustrated by Hannah Christensen, and the first issue is available in comic stores and online February 8th. In March comes the first book in a series of young adult novels that Acker and I wrote called Star Wars Join the Resistance. It takes place just before The Force Awakens and is about a bunch of kids who join the fight against the First Order. But mostly they have adventures, fall in love with each other, and get in trouble. I hope you'll check out both of those projects. We're very proud of how they came out. Let me know who you'd like to hear on this podcast by following me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, like the color, only more so, liking the Writers' Panel on Facebook, and visiting writerspanel.tumblr.com. And if you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Reading those reviews really provides a pick-me-up. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writers' Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah! Uh, what I'm going to do is say welcome, you guys. Uh, thanks for being here. I'm going to ask you guys to introduce yourselves so the listener can differentiate your voices when they hear them. Uh, starting with you, Bridget. I'm Bridget Munoz-Lebowitz. And tell us some things that we may have seen your name on. Sure. Please. Um, currently, I'm working on a show called People of Earth, which is in its second season on TBS, which stars Wyatt Cenac. And It's a great show. Thank like, you. People should really watch that if they are not watching it. Oh, that's really nice. Really Thanks good. for the plug. And, um, <laughs> uh, and Anna Gosteyer, which I was going to say, she's also starring in that. And it's um, I worked on a show called Brooklyn Nine-Nine prior to that with Andy Samberg and Andre Brower and Terry Cruz. Crews, a lovely crew of people. Um, prior to that, I worked on a very short-lived FX show called Jackson and Braddock, which was a 1090. What was that? Oh. <laughs> it, it could have been the dream, but it wasn't. It didn't end up happening. Um, it was the. It was a, we did 10 episodes. I'm only for, oh, there for part right. of the season, and then I went to Brooklyn. But it was with Kelsey Grammer and Martin Lawrence, and mm-hmm. they play. It was like halfway between The Odd Couple and Night Court mm-hmm. meets Family Matters. Oh, it was <laughs> that took a turn. I, I know. Well, it. it was produced by the half of the Miller Boyette team, Bob Boyette, mm-hmm. and this other wonderful person, Robert Horn, and it was a multicam. And they wanted to do it in the style of anger management. So mm-hmm. shoot a bunch mm-hmm. of these things and just have it go into syndication immediately. Um, but it... Um, Didn't get picked up. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you throw a lot of weird elements into a paint and it comes out great if you're making something. But sometimes it just doesn't. Not the first time uh, Martin Lawrence's been called a weird element. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, well, we can talk about some yeah. of that stuff uh, as we go on. But Heather. Hello. Uh, I'm Heather Renier. Uh I've been on, I started on Falling Skies. I was on that show for two years. It was great. Um, And then I was on Sleepy Hollow for three years. Uh, Also great. And um, I I did a brief stint on Snowpiercer, which is not a show yet. It's like a half show. 
but I I've, hope I've, it yeah. will be a show. Friends, uh, darling of the podcast, Josh Friedman. Oh, the greatest, yeah, yeah. the greatest man. That's great. And a real genius. So, um, yeah. Great. Yeah. Good. That's lots to talk about. <laughs> Um, I am Lindsay Allen. I am currently writing on MacGyver for CBS. Um, before that, I was on Marvel's Agent Carter. It's my first staff Great. job. I have worked on many shows as an assistant and mm-hmm. freelance, which is how I came up <laughs> for a very long time. Did you you were getting freelance episodes of shows? I have gotten yeah. I wrote a freelance half a freelance for Arrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Were you an assistant there at the time? No. Um, oh, I had worked with uh, Mark uh, Guggenheim and Andrew Kreisberg uh, on Eli Stone. Mm-hmm. was where I met Andrew. And I worked actually with Greg Berlanti and Mark Guggenheim on Brothers and Sisters way back when. Oh, wow. I've worked on a lot of shows with those <laughs> guys. Yeah. a lot of intersectional <laughs> friends, actually. Probably, yeah. Actually. Yeah. It's a small town after yeah. a while. <laughs> um I'm curious to hear about this, and this is often, you know, a way into the business mm-hmm. for many young writers. Um, how long did you assistant for, and in what what assistant capacities? Oh gosh, I was an assistant for nine years. Wow! And I would like to really say that for anyone <laughs> aspiring to be a TV writer, I was an assistant for nine years, and it was wonderful. And I had great mentors. Uh, everyone I've already said, and all that stuff. Um, but it was nine years. So <laughs> just be aware when you're going down the assistant track that you're going to be on shows and you're going to love them and you're going to meet amazing people and it's it's nine years so just be That's aware unbelievable nine um, years i will listen i'm gonna i'm gonna take you through this you're gonna have to relive it a little bit. um but uh, what was the first one? Like, what was the entry? You must have been a kid. Like, I was when a you kid, got that first yeah. I uh, did the brilliant move that right out of college, I moved to LA because mm-hmm. I was like, that's where TV is. <laughs> and I moved, and um, which is not like that makes sense. Yeah, yeah it, it turns out that is where TV is. So <laughs> I looked out there, but um, <laughs> I my first job was a year after I moved uh, on Brothers and Sisters. I was the second assistant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to the directing producer. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me let me interrupt for a second. I apologize. I'm going to interrupt all of you guys Please a lot because I want to just kind of get into more detail on some of the stuff. But uh, how did you even get that assistant job? Um, I will make the story short. I was at a, when we came to look for apartments. Mm-hmm. I went to a party <laughs> <laughs> and I sat down with a bunch of people who were working on a show. And the people I were with were big fans of that show, and I had never seen it. So they like. My friends sat down and were like, oh, my God, you're on the show. And they did their thing. And then the next person, oh, my God, you're on the show. And I was I was like, I've never seen the show. <laughs> and so I became friends with the person, the people we were talking to. We would get lunch occasionally. And th- that person recommended me for a couple of jobs. And the brothers and sisters one was the oh, first great. one that I got. Yes. Yeah. So and was, I think that's not an unusual story. No, it's very networking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but without, I mean, you were, it doesn't sound like you were out looking to network either. And I no, I was looking for an apartment <laughs> and I got dragged to a party because I'm not the most social person. But this is the way it happened. <laughs> and that's how right? it happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did, what, did you guys assist also? Did you start out that I way? I did, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. thought I thought you had. Uh, yeah. what, what was your story? Um, I uh, I'm trying <laughs> to think of the first. I had um, yeah. Okay, so it's funny because we were talking about the strike and the first strike that was in seven oh seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a 
I was in college. I went to USC, but I did all the picketing because I was like, I want to like, you know, this is what I want to mm-hmm. do. Right. And Howard Rodman was the, you know, mm-hmm. she's the head of our school and it was, you know, we just wanted to support. And so while I was picketing, I met Melissa Rosenberg, who was wonderful. And I was still in school and um, I was like, can I call you when I graduate just so I can ask you advice and stuff? And she's like, sure, great. And I called her like six months later because I still had like a lot of school to get through. And um, when I called her, I'd memorize her IMDb page. Yes. And I was like real dorky about <laughs> yes. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You stalked I like, her. I know yeah. everything. I'm going to crush this. Like, And I call her and she's like on her way to work, like fitting me in. She's very sweet. And I was like, oh, so you're from North Carolina. That's so cool. Tell me about it. And she's like, I'm from Northern California. Like, IMDb oh. gets, like, everything wrong. And I, like, oh went God. through a couple oh, other no. things that were all wrong. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so embarrassing. All those flashcards for nothing. Oh, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this went, like, this was disastrous, but it's fine, whatever. And at USC, they, like, prep you for you know, try to talk to people. One of the things they said was like, you should always go out of your way to try to, when you're asking people for favors, try to do them a favor, which Mm -hmm. is very counterintuitive, but like as a way to stand out. And I was like, okay, I just blew this. Like, what do I do? And I sent her an email and I was like, thank you for making time, blah, blah, blah. Just so you know, I went through your IMDb and I corrected everything. (laughs) Um, Have a nice life. (laughs) (laughs) And she emailed me right back. She's like, you're awesome. And then the next, and she was on Dexter at the time. And like that next week she brought me in to be like a temp assistant on Dexter. And I like moved around there for like three months until I could like find my footing for like a real kind of assistant gig. That's terrific. Yeah. Can I, let me ask you, um, hitting, becoming friendly with her on the picket line. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I know this, like, I've heard the story a number of times of people meeting people who would be their future bosses or, or even employees or whatever on the, on the picket line. Do you remember what that conversation was like? It was very brief. She, it was just like, it was, because you met a lot of people. Yeah. And she was, I think she was, like, wearing a Dexter hat or something, and I, like, loved the show. And I was just like, oh, I, like, you, the, everyone was just, like, walking back and forth and, like, chatting. And I was surprised that, I, I mean, she was just... She was just very nice and supportive. Like, I didn't talk to her for, like, six months or so. It was like there was a long period of time that went by, and she was so like, oh, yeah, I remember you. Like, it was not a very, like, deep, like, you know, connection that we made. It was, like, very casual. Right. But then she just, yeah, she was just very nice. That's really great. And, and, you know, good for you to follow up and do the homework and then actually... Like take some initiative to not just be memorable, but that's a nice thing to do. And like, fix her IMDb. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the next generation can memorize her correct. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. We'll the right. The next cards. annoying kid who's <laughs> like, talk to me. Uh, but that is, I mean, that advice from USC is interesting. Yeah. But it's also good advice for being a human person. That's true. Yes. Um, do you remember anything else uh, in that sort of area that that they taught you? Well, it was weird because that was uh it was it was at USC for one year only, like one mm-hmm. summer only. And I was there for summer school, so it all like matched up. They did this thing called the assistant training program, which was when I graduated, I graduated in 08 and like TV was just like be- starting to become it's like now a much yeah. bigger part of the school, but that was like just starting as I was leaving. And they did this program where they interviewed all these like assistants from different TV shows. And they basically were like, if you want to write TV, this is a really good route to, like, mm-hmm. figure it out. So a bunch of people came in, and it was run by this woman named Carol Kirshner, um, who does, 
like the show running training program at WGA and like she's just great and she's really good at like guiding writers in their careers and stuff. Um, so she put this uh, program together with this woman, Cam Miller, who was a student. Um, she was an alumni, but she, you know, um, and it just had all this really like practical, helpful advice. Right. And I think it only lasted for a year. I'm not sure why, but it was hmm. like really helpful for me. That's terrific. Um, yeah. I have more assistant questions, but what was your uh, assistant experience? Yeah, uh, no, it was Joe? assistance, but via I started out on the production side. Actually, okay. I um, my graduate degree is in, in producing, so I was working as a line producer and a production manager in New York. Um, on what kind of stuff? Mostly scrappy indie stuff that no one's mm-hmm. ever going to see. But it was kind of how I was making a living. Mm-hmm. I was still was just finishing up school, and so we had this great program um, at Columbia where you could still be in school and have cheap rent and have health insurance but not take classes and work at the same time for free or nothing. So I started working on, I worked on this movie called Motherhood uh, with Uma Thurman that made literally like a dollar. (laughs) (laughs) And But there I met my producing mentor whose name is Robin Sweet. She produces Better Call Saul now. And she's amazing. And so I basically got all of her cast off work. Any budget or schedule that she couldn't, didn't want to do, didn't have time for, she'd give to me to do. So I had a little business doing budgets and schedules for whatever came my way, like indie films or commercials or short films or whatever. And then I would produce those if they needed someone. And so I was doing that for a couple years and like made kind of making a living, like doing okay, but I could kind of see like this isn't gonna really be a career for me. And also I was wanted to be do write comedy. So I was like it always was intended to be a means to an end. So at one point I was just after one terrible terrible project, I was just I called up my mentor and I said, Robin, I wanna get into TV. Who do you know? Like who can who can you set me up with? And she said, your timing is uncanny because I'm about to go on a show called Person of Interest. Do you want to come? You'll have to take a big step back, but I'm sure I can get you on as some kind of an assistant. And I said, yes, please. Great. So I went on, I came on as the script coordinator because... So you were in New York. In New York, yes. On the pilot of Person of Interest, I had... Because I had my background in all the budgeting and scheduling softwares, I knew how to liaise with the showrunner and the ADs to make the revisions and the script. Plus, it was a bad robot show, and they were very protective of their Mm -hmm. material, so I knew how to code and distribute things. It was (laughs) like having these weird anal administrative like (laughs) gifts, I suppose, (laughs) putting me in a good position. So what I did was um, I only ever had a comedy portfolio at the time, but I was like, I don't care. It's TV. I'll move in that direction. Mm -hmm. So I wrote the thing you're never supposed to do wrote a spec of the show that I wanted to work on so I wrote like the next episode of the show and they were tickled enough just having read the pilot just the pilot but read the pilot like several hundred times you know and kind of knew what they were trying to do with the show Mm -hmm. and I was like you know if they're going to get picked up I want to be ready and why would I write like a house or something when I could write you know in their voice and in their their style so I wrote a spec episode of the show and they were I think were tickled they're like come out to LA and be our writer's assistant (laughs) they were so nice and so they told me on a more Day, which was coming up, and I was like, it always reminds me of when I moved out here for that. Yeah, and I, they told me to move out here on Monday, Memorial Day. I'll be here by Wednesday. So I left my boyfriend at the time and our whole apartment and all my stuff there, and I just came out here to start work on Wednesday, and uh, it totally destroyed my relationship. But however, however, with what's his name? What's his name? I don't even remember. Uh, if you're listening, I'm Bridget. On you know, I hope you are, and also screw you. Um, no, but um, it want was. My TV back. <laughs> yeah, I never got my stuff back, really. Um, so that's okay. So then, uh, worked on that for, as an assistant for. Uh, 
a couple, two and a quarter seasons, Mm -hmm. I would say. Um, It was great. I loved learning from drama writers because that gave me the foundation of structure, which I feel like a lot of comedy rooms don't have. And um, the whole time was applying to the labs and the workshops Mm -hmm. to try to get in and didn't the first couple times. Were you applying specifically in comedy or were you hitting drama? Yes, in comedy. Yeah. And then um, could see that the show wasn't going to be a place for me to move up. That I wasn't getting the freelances and I wasn't getting bumps. And it wasn't, I don't think, for lack of trying because I'm a maniac when it comes to work. But I think think they could just tell that I was going to be a comedy writer. Hmm. Uh, So I left the show on really excellent terms. I still see at least one person from that show at least once a month, and we're all very close. And, um... Like was like I don't know what I'm gonna do, but the universe is gonna look out for me, and wow. so, and it did. So like I went on this crazy trip. I drove up to the San Juan Islands and worked on a farm for a few weeks. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then while I was up there, I got this email from Melissa Scrivener Love, who is another wonderful drama writer and just wrote this cool book called Lola. And she was on Person of Interest. Her husband was a comedy writer, and he was like, "Hey, we need an assistant on." Jackson and Braddock, this, this the, yeah, Kelsey Grammer Martin Lawrence show I was telling you about. And would you want to come down? And I said, yes, please. Let me put down my farm thing. <laughs> yeah, I have to put this horse in a barn Hold real on. quick. Hold on, the goat got out. Yeah. Farm things. Farm things. <laughs> so I did that, and um, I was there for like a month when I found I got into the NBC Writers on the Verge program okay. oh, that's awesome. and they let me do both at the same time they that's were so cool. supportive yeah, yeah. I, and I totally left them high and dry and quit the show and they still sent me a Christmas present like they're Aww. the nicest people they were so great and so let I, me let me interrupt for a sec um, the uh, Writers on the Verge program mm-hmm. for that what did you have to submit ah so that was I submitted a girl spec so mm-hmm. they take specs only yes. Be, yes like all the other programs because of liability issues is that why they do it yes because they don't want to ever be accused of taking someone's idea if it ever for some reason ended up on a show Mm. so yeah and I will say again again this has been my crusade these past five years (laughs) but writing specs of existing shows is very valuable oh totally you learn a lot you learn a lot structured absolutely What yeah. For, yeah. Yeah. It's like learning how to play scales before you play jazz, yes, right? Absolutely. <laughs> that's a great analogy <laughs> Thank for that. You. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Great. <laughs> Nailed that's it. All people need to hear. <laughs> do your it. scales, do your math. <laughs> so you yeah. wrote a girl spec. Yes. Yeah, so Will you tell spec. us what it was about? Yeah, sure. It was a personal story that I turned into a girl spec about the time that I dated a white guy. And it was the first time I ever realized that I was like but in some people's eyes or in his eyes like poor and brown it was very <laughs> strange like i told we i met him online and we totally hit it off because we like had gone to the same like like sister schools and had like both road crew which is like a very weird <laughs> yeah. thing to do and wow. i sort of was like oh we're both kind of like in the industry and when i met his friends they were like legit had mansions on the beach and what? I showed up to their party what with like a plate of cookies. <laughs> it was like, I think it was okay, Cupid. Rich anyway, it was a horrifying experience where like they asked me to go to roller derby in this like what they considered a bad area and it was walking distance from my house. I was going to say, you oh, lived no. around the corner. Yes, I around oh, the corner. Yeah. And I was like, oh man. I left out a lot of details, but it was about that experience. And then he stole your TV. And then then he, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Totally. It was was, was sadly personal. (laughs) Um, Then I submitted, um, I didn't submit, I kind of just 
at this point was had application fatigue because mm-hmm. I'd done so many of them, and I was kind of the point where I was like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'll submit something that's not for for the um, essay and personal statement. I was kind of just cheeky, and I wrote like haikus and like a sonnet instead yeah. of writing an, like a, an essay. Because I was like, I don't care if I'm going to get in, I'm going to get in. If not, I'm going to get in on my haiku. <laughs> That's right. It was a series of haikus. And people are art. doing spec haiku haikus these days. Are they? Yeah. really yeah. very about bad. person oh. of interest, oddly. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's on those tumblers who never know which are going to fall into that fandom world. So anyway, that's and then I was in there for only a few weeks when someone got fired from Brooklyn and I replaced them. Oh wow! So it was just like one That's of those right. very, very quick, lucky, yeah. lucky, lucky things. So. Yeah, yeah. But again, you know, there is a lot of luck involved. I think we can all yeah. say that. Yeah. But you also have to be prepared. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of prep involved. Have to be ready that Malcolm it. Gladwell 10,000 hours yeah. opportunity plus experience Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I want to go back uh, just for a second to Lindsay and talk about uh, nine years of assistanting. Nine years, guys. <laughs> and you deserve a medal. <laughs> nine years. This, this comes up a lot, but it's always an interesting answer to me, and I think people are interested in hearing. How do you make it clear to your bosses that I'm going to do the best job I can here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to take this job seriously, but what I really want to do is it's write right. this show or write a show. Well, it's tricky. Um, I was very blessed to always have bosses that understood that mm-hmm. no one dreams of <laughs> being an assistant. Um, so I was lucky in that respect. The the way, I mean, I've always thought the way you show people that you're committed to your job is you do a great job. And if you fail at something, you ask, like, how can I do this better? Yes, this is not my chosen longevity career, but I can do this better. So let's work together. Please, please work with me. Don't just fire me because I screwed something up. Um, And I've been very blessed to have very patient people in my life who understood that I wanted to write, that always encouraged me to write, that always checked in, like, hey, I'm in meetings a lot. You're writing, right? I'm like, yep, don't even worry about it. Um, That's, That's so nice. So, I've, yeah, I've, I, it was nine very long years, but um, I was very blessed to have people constantly mm-hmm. at my back and mm-hmm. ready to go. And if an opportunity came up, which it finally did, um, they were like, okay, you're ready. You were writing. You have samples. We need them right now. We got to go, go, go. And I'm yeah. like, okay, and just like <laughs> throw everything in the desk up in the air or something. I don't remember what I did. But you had it. You used your time wisely. <laughs> but yeah. you yeah, you learned to you learned to write on the desk and yeah. you learned to use what opportunities mm-hmm. you have. So it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I got fifteen minutes while they're on this phone call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what were you writing in that time? Were you writing original stuff? Both. Uh, I started with specs mm-hmm. um because uh Learning the scales, just had to learn. I wrote a spec, I think, of house, and I had so, a friend read it, and he very politely told me that house was a 4X structure, um, <laughs> which never occurred to me before that. And I was like, huh, I That's should funny. study harder. Um, so I wrote a few specs, um, and then I started doing mostly originals mm-hmm. once I thought I had it down. I just did air quotes. You can't see it. Um, <laughs> comfortable enough in um, at least yeah. the, the hour-long format. To start trying. Yeah. Um, so... Um, yeah, and I just kept writing. I would have an, an idea or I'd have something, and I come from a place where I'm like, I don't know, let's try it and see if I'm any good at this. <laughs> and sometimes I'm not. <laughs> um, and sometimes I'm okay at it, and I can get a little better. But Well, in um, that early stuff, there's so much finding your way. So just, much. Not in the, just in the story, but as yeah. a writer as well. Like, exactly. What, what am I interested in? How do I even do this? Yeah, and then once you figure it out, it's how do I do this so that people will read it? Because right. if you use too many words, <laughs> everyone stops reading at a certain point, and you're <laughs> like, you oh, no. <laughs> I discovered it when I became a reader. Really? <laughs> yeah, That's you start great. reading and you start. I suddenly realized I, I was flipping to the back to see how long the script was. Oh yeah, and I was yeah. like, oh my god, everyone I does. Th- I bet everyone does that, oh, yeah. and they do. Sure. 
Everyone does. I'm you curious, to hear, were you reading for uh, the shows that you were working on? I would read for the shows. I would read for myself because mm-hmm. um, uh, if you're lucky, you have friends and you can start reading their scripts and you can start and giving notes and you build a community that way. Um, and so you start realizing, like, yay, my best friend wrote a script and I'm super excited to read it. And you're like, 70 pages. <laughs> what? <laughs> I have a note. Um, and you immediately fire off an email. Why is it 70 pages? Right. And then you actually read the script. And, no, please. And, yeah, Make it shorter, then give it back. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great script. I love it. Make it shorter. Make yeah. some decisions. Um, yeah. It's time, to, it's time for some cuts. It's hard, though. It is. Right? It's fair. Like, that's a thing yeah. you have to learn. Of course. That's why yeah. you have friends. Yes. yes. I've, I've gotten the email, like, why is this here? Right. Yeah. It makes yeah. no sense. And you're like, well, I like it. And they're like, great. Explain it to every single person that reads the script. Yeah. I'm like, okay, fine. I have a yeah. friend in my life who I call Machete, and she <laughs> does not cut me out. I like She's that. from Person of Interest, actually, to this day. She'll still read my script, and I'll be like, I can't. I don't know where else to cut. And she's like, don't worry. I got you. And I got like, it. like, five pages out. I'm like, didn't need those five pages. That's yeah. awesome. Didn't need them. And That's you, like, right. get mad at first, and then you're like, Oh, right. right. Yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You like stew for a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. In reading a lot of scripts, and I assume you guys all mm-hmm. have. I've never um, read one. Yes. No. <laughs> Script. Script. <laughs> um, specifically not for the show you're working on, though. I'm curious to hear about um, what, what works on the page. What do you respond to as a reader? Because presumably that's the thing that other people will respond to also. Mm-hmm. And have you been able to put that into your own work? I really respond to like confidence on the page personally. Like there, are, I find when I'm writing, I'm like, God, I hope this is clear. I hope I'm getting this across. And then I'll read a script where someone is just like, I'm confident and I trust that you're going to kind of like know what I'm saying. And those scripts are always very memorable to me. Mm-hmm. Like just beyond, which is I guess a voice thing. It's not even like about characters necessarily or the story. It's just like I want to read. I want to keep reading those scripts because there's a real like presence behind like the writer. Yeah. There's something to someone saying, I got to tell you this. Yeah. Right. And yeah. That, that appearing on the page. Yeah. I have a, a tangential mm-hmm. or an adjacent feeling about that, which is for me, if I can sense ego though, in, mm-hmm. in someone's writing yeah. where sometimes they'll read stage directions and they're like <laughs> winking at you. Oh yeah. I don't so like no. the wink. Nope. And I'm like, if I, if I can tell that your ego, you think your ego is more important than the story right. you're telling on the page. Or if I can sense that you're, do you think very highly of yourself on the page? I'm just like, Oh, that's yep. not going to be fun yeah. to work with. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah for sure. But the confidence thing I appreciate. Yeah. Cause I just like, I overthink a lot of stuff and I'm just like, Oh, you, if you're just like, this is this you know when you have a real vision with stuff i find that you don't get caught up in making sure that everything is like clear or like follows a certain Mm -hmm. format that's been done like and i agree with you i don't like if it's ego or it comes out like that that's like not cool but yeah it's just kind of refreshing and like oh yeah yeah absolutely you feel like you're in good hands yeah yeah Yeah. um i've noticed as i got into actual writing career um and producing episodes and stuff like that that i read more for like i my new pet peeve is if i can't see it on the camera 
why did I have to read it? Mm. Um, so mm-hmm. it's, there's sometimes just lines and it's often like the wink, wink, but we'll meet her later or something like that. That's a bad example. Cause mm-hmm. sometimes or that like, actually she works. Thinks, <laughs> she thinks to herself and it's like, yeah, <sighs> yeah. I'm like, what? I don't want to watch that. her think. Yeah. yeah. Is that the shot? She's just sitting there thinking. I don't want to watch that. Um, so I start thinking like, what are, what's the director going to come at me and very astutely say like, how am I supposed to shoot this Lindsay? Yes. And I'm like, well, she sits there and thinks, and then, um, hmm, all right, cut, cut, and <laughs> yeah, 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 maybe there's a song there, can't afford a song, well, um, hmm, you make a solid point. That's so, interesting, I mean, yeah. it, it does speak mm-hmm. to the purpose of this document. Yeah, right? yeah, right. Which, yeah. Is, which is first a sales document, so sometimes you sure. need the winks, and you definitely always need the confidence, because you're going on a journey with this person for right. 60, 70 pages. Oh, God, that's 70. Please don't make <laughs> um, But you're going with them, so to sell it, you definitely need some of those winks, but to sh- I tend to think about how do I shoot it and what am I seeing? And it's, right. if I can't, if it's a shot that I am not going to see, like she checks her hair in the in the mirror and then thinks about her long-time divorce. It's like, what? No, yeah. she doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> Cut? That sounds expensive. Cut. <laughs> I often tell my... I, have, I teach uh, TV writing also in between seasons, and I tell my students that a script is information plus instructions on how to execute that information. Mm-hmm. I think anything more than that can be cumbersome, but it does depend. Like, are you trying to sell does, them yeah. spec or right. trying but to get hired? It really depends. Because yes, exactly. if you're on a show, it's like, no, all no, that yeah. stuff is right. out. Yeah. But it like, becomes a much more stripped down yeah. practical it's, document. It's a blueprint. Yeah. It's, just, yeah. it's, pure, it's like mathematical almost. Right. But yeah. there is, I mean, let's talk about it, and I think we've all done this, is, you know, writing a script to be a sample or writing a script to sell. Mm-hmm. There's a difference in those. Big difference. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? Hmm. Well... I mean, if you're trying to sell yourself as yeah. a writer to a rep- someone to get representation or to a workshop or to an, you know, um, to a studio, you want it to sound like you. Some of the winky stuff might not hurt because they're mm-hmm. suckers for that. And <laughs> you really <laughs> are. They're very intelligent yeah. people who enjoy that a lot. Yeah, that's, any, that's what I meant to say. Thank you, sir. But they like to see yeah. that kind of personality. The, and, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's a nuance and I think it communicates like a tone. Like it's interesting because, I mean, to drop Josh Friedman again, you read a Josh Friedman script and it's like he breaks, he does all the things you're not supposed to do. He writes in like these big fat paragraphs and there's a lot of description and there's a lot of character moments that are kind of more like what you're talking about that you won't, they mm-hmm. inform, they're almost like a character direction. They're not necessarily stuff you're going to see, but you finish that script and you're like, I felt that, like I felt that, like I was there, like it's a different experience than like when you are writing on a show and it has to be just tight for production mm-hmm. and yeah, just to, to sell it and to be like, hey, this is the world that I build and I can create and these are the kind of characters that I can draw. Yeah. I think that's really helpful in that yeah. Uh, setting. Yeah. And then you sell it and then your right. line producer and then you take it all <laughs> with a yeah, big red exactly. marker and says, here's what we can't afford and you have a three-page script. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you know the, the best execs, and I think probably most execs, understand yeah. that these are going to be two different documents. Yes. The thing yes. that they're buying or the thing that they're reading to get you staffed or to make a deal or whatever yes, they do. is a different they thing. Yeah. Uh, they exactly yeah. Next job is to push you to like, yes, you have to cut all that and afford it, but like, people still have to want to watch it. So, (laughs) like, it can't be people sitting in the dark. And I think to Heather's (laughs) point, I mean, I remember reading that Snowpiercer pilot. Right, it's a great pilot. It feels like you just watch the show. Right, I know it's crazy. That's what you're trying to do with any any sales uh, script. Yeah, 
Anyway, mm-hmm. um, I want to talk about, uh, and any of you who want to jump in first, the, the first thing that you got paid for in TV, the first script that you got paid for, and how that came about, and what was that experience like? Oh, mine's funny. Go. Well? <laughs> I, my first freelance was half a freelance on Eli Stone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was the, what became the series finale. Oh, cool. It was right when, the, when the strike hit, I think. <laughs> No, it was right when I think our lead's wife just had a baby. So we were trying to Great. convince ABC that, like, we should finish everything. And they're like, you don't even have your lead. And we're like, no, it's great, it's great, it's great, I promise. Um, and they did, ultimately, and it was a lot of fun. But uh, that was my first experience. Wow. Let me, was it uh, half a script because that's the way that those guys worked? As they still kind of do. They still the do. They pair up writers. Yeah. Um, it's just their uh, technique yeah. uh, that they enjoy doing. Yeah, uh, I was paired with uh, another assistant, um, Oscar Balderrama, who is now staffed on Arrow is a solid dude if he's listening to this. <laughs> um, so we worked together and okay. wrote that, and it was very fun. That's and then the show was canceled, so yay. But and I was called show killer for a couple <laughs> of years. Oh, no. <laughs> but it did Slayer. make it to air. Made it to I mean, air. That's pretty right. good. It's a show I loved working on with that's people great. I loved working uh, with. That, yeah, that was, a, that was a good room from, from what I've heard. Was, yeah, I feel like a room. lot of big people came out of there, especially just working act, uh, working writers. Yeah, I made a lot of friends there, and um, I loved it. What was the experience of writing a freelance? Were you were you a writer's assistant at the time? Did, were you I was a showrunner's assistant. Okay. So, was, so you weren't necessarily in the room every day. No, I was not. Yeah, so um, you weren't privy to, here's what the season is, here's what the episodes are, except to get all the documentation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, it was a fine balancing act of, like, needing to do my job that I was paid for. Um, Because that was my job. Right. Um, And trying to be in there and trying to glean all the information. Everyone was so good Mm -hmm. at helping us and stuff like that. I remember a lot of terror that I was (laughs) going to screw this up and never make anything of my life. (laughs) Um, But it was, everyone was so supportive and they were like, okay, hurry, get in the room, get in the room and like go in the room and help like with the and it was my first experience in a room so just oh, pitching wow. and stuff like that so it was a lot of fun interesting um, but um, nerve-wracking yeah how much mm-hmm. of a story did they ha- already have i know this was a while ago but um what were you pitching how much was broken already how much was carried through from previous episodes we had um we had a basic structure our showrunner at the time would like okay here it is it's this character this character mm-hmm. uh these three characters in the next scene these two characters like lay mm-hmm. out the basis and then yeah sort of a rough rough uh, outline outline of what it should look like um and then we would um try and build us kind of build a story and we were we were pitching for a while on the main story just because it was the season finale at the time (laughs) so we're pitching how best to end the season um yeah so which is always a little bit higher stakes just because it's the end of something it's not a one-off so uh I don't remember. I remember a lot of terror. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would imagine yeah. trying, pitching something and trying to get it to stick. Yeah, it's that's just, so hard when it's your first thing. It's hard, but it's also I feel like a lot of people don't listen enough to learn. So oh. just being in the room a lot, mm-hmm. you learn by how people pitch. Other yeah. people with more experience and how they interact with others. Uh, you just you learn a lot just by listening to how they do their job, and you're like, oh, okay, wow, the way I just pitched that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Copy that. But 
then you hear your upper levels pitch versus how like staff writers pitch versus how mid levels mm-hmm. pitch, and you just you learn a lot about dynamics in the room and who's who's kind of calling the shots, which should be your upper levels, mm-hmm. um, and just what's making it through. And you learn a lot by listening to the room. So just yeah. being in the room itself, even if I don't remember if I actually said anything, <laughs> to be honest, but being in the room itself was such a learning experience Absolutely. that I had not had before and didn't realize that I really needed to focus mm-hmm. on getting more in my life. Yeah. yeah. Um, Heather, you're, you're nodding. I'm curious, yeah. Aaron, we're going to get a little sidetracked here, but <laughs> about... How people pitch in the room. Yeah, well, it's also funny because I had a similar. My first freelance was also the series finale that was supposed ah. to be a season finale that I co wrote with the showrunner. What show? Uh, Human Target. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and yeah, and that was like. That was run by. The second season was Matt Miller, who's like the greatest human. Mm-hmm. He's really awesome. But. Yeah, it was. I was nodding a lot because I was one of those people who like really made. I feel like I made a lot of mistakes in the room. Like initially, like I remember, and I just had very kind writers who were nice to me. I was like, you can't do that. Like, because I'd be like, well, this. I'd like pitch my idea, and they'd be like, no. I'm like, well, why not? My idea is clearly why perfect. Why does it work? Like, I don't get. And I really like. I that's wanted funny. to learn, but they're like, talk to us after. Like, if you yeah, want to, like, sure. they're like, that's totally fine. But it took me a bit of time to. I had like a learning curve with that, that yeah. people were really like kind to me throughout, which was that's great. I appreciate. Nice. Yeah. And then, yeah, you just, and then you learn a lot from just also watching yeah. and listening more. Then I started to listen more. Yeah. That's <laughs> like how listening you is that. just like, no one tells you to do that. Right. And then it suddenly just opens your world up. Yeah. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there is, right, knowing when to talk, knowing yes. when to listen, mm-hmm. knowing your place in the room. Like, there right. is a hierarchy, even if yeah. it's not strictly enforced, which most days it isn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a hard thing to learn if you're not a person who can naturally yeah. read a room. Yeah. So much of it is interpersonal skills, yeah. which yes. which writers do not naturally <laughs> have. No, not not many of us do. And I remember, I mean, I was talking about this actually to our um, assistant and with our showrunner the other night about rooms and the way that I would behave when I was on Brooklyn. It was my my first uh, script was on Brooklyn, and I was the terror that you speak of. Yeah. Like, racked by terror every day. It was not a comfortable environment. It was like jumping into, like, an AP chem class, and you've never taken math before. Like, you Mm -hmm. kind of know, but... That was a killer comedy room. Yeah, it was, like, people that I had idolized for years watching their writing, and I felt honored to be in their presence, but also could totally not keep up with them, or... I probably could have had I felt more comfortable, but that was not their priority. Their priority was to churn out material. Yeah. yeah, and I get that, and I wasn't expecting them to be like, oh, "Come say something." You, your ideas are perfect. Like I, I, it, so. But when I was in a room with certain people who I didn't feel comfortable with. I was much more deferential. I wouldn't pitch as much. I would kind of just chime in with something like every now and then. But then there was a room with other people who I was in the story room a lot. Mm -hmm. And I felt totally comfortable in that room. And I could I felt free to talk because I knew they were the kind of people that were like, okay with not necessarily they didn't care about rank as much or Mm -hmm. hierarchy. They were like, everyone can pitch. So it just even within a show, you can leave different rooms. You can. yeah. Yeah. Was the uncomfortable room a joke room? 
It was. A punch <laughs> it was. Exactly. And and it's funny because I love it now. Really? And I'm, yeah, I mean, I love both of them. But it was one of those things where I was like, oh, God, I'm stupid and I'm not funny and I can't pitch jokes. But actually, it was that, you know, when you're dating someone, sometimes the chemistry is not great. Mm-hmm. And I just was, like, not vibing with that. So, you know, you live and you learn. So it just <laughs> depends, right? Yeah. Do you guys, you guys don't do, I mean, you have a small staff anyway on People of Earth, but yeah. you guys don't do a joke we punch do, up, do We do a, well, the whole room becomes a joke punch up. Okay. So we'll, we write for story and then we'll do yeah. a pass for jokes. That's interesting because it's not a hard joke show. It isn't, but the, one of the notes that we got from TBS um, from last season was we went 25% funnier. So <laughs> I love the oh, number. I know. Not a percentage <laughs> oh, more. Easy. It must so be someone quantified. pitches a joke <laughs> yeah. and they're like, that's 26%. Yeah. Yeah. I'm too funny. to dial it back. Yeah. 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 But you know, it, we've always, a lot of us come from hard comedy backgrounds in yeah. that room and so it was hard for us to scale it down last season. We we had to go through and cut out jokes because, yeah. Oh but now, there's been a bit of a shift in what they want the show to be, and so now we're allowed to be funnier. And I think the actors are really stoked about that because they're all right. they're all right, right, right. Yeah, so it's been fun. Well, that's good. Yeah. All right, that makes sense. How interesting. Um, I want to uh, I want to hear about the shows that you guys are on right now, or just came off of. Um, you just came <laughs> off of Sleepy. Is that right? Yes. Well, I did. I oh, you did was almost sleeping, then I did Snowpiercer after. Um, which also was that was a pretty short. Yeah. Run, right? In that yeah, run. Yeah, that was a, like three months, two or three. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So my question three really months. is mm-hmm. how do you find the next thing? I just actually, I'm going to be consulting on iZombie. Oh, cool. In this... the same offices as us, probably. Oh, really? <laughs> iZombie, yes. Cool. Right. Yeah, yeah, girl. Yeah. We, just saw, seeing you. we just saw something beautiful blossom right here. Yeah. What is with those? <laughs> They're gross and sweaty, but we know what? It's a free massage. Do people That's use what them? I look for in a massage. They're, they it's like in a cafe. What? You go to like a cafe that's just like, you know, like, I don't know, snacks and coffee really okay coffee. and then there's like a massage chair which mm-hmm. i see people in more often than i would think it has become a turf war between the shows interesting who gets there first and oh who sits in there longest or too long and it's like a thing <laughs> yeah you know this is the stuff people want to hear about right yeah no, i'm not kidding right I'm, I'm fascinated. <laughs> when you are a working writer you're yeah. going to the lot every day right you're going to the office every day Tell us more about what's going on there. Well, LeBron James has a reserve parking spot that he never uses at Hollywood Ooh, Production Center. Do you ever do LeBron that? Ooh, in you know LeBron what I might space? on my last day or something yeah. like that. But what you if you listen to the podcast and LeBron, if you're listening, he I mean, no tweets offense. every every episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. More basketball players on, please. Oh yeah. <laughs> Get some That's ballers. funny. Um, so you know what you're doing. So I what know was, what I'm doing. What yeah. was this uh, staffing season like for you? I didn't do network staffing. Okay. I've kind of, since Sleepy, I've just, I've been more, I've been developing a lot, and I've been doing, jumping on, like, cable, like, looking for cable opportunities, mm-hmm. and that was why I did Snowpiercer, but I'm I'm developing something with Rob Thomas, so okay. we're working together now, and he's also, also incredible, yeah. so that we just want to, I think, keep working together. So that kind of, like, came out of that. Um, And he's very good about that. Oh, uh, yeah. Over the years, you know, either bringing the person onto staff that he's developing with or the other way around, developing with his staff. Yeah. Which is pretty great. So it kind of went... That that is like network staffing, but it didn't. It was yeah. born out of uh, relationship. So you didn't have to do more. a slew. Of yeah, meetings. yeah, it's great. I didn't do any. Yeah, it was good. It's <laughs> yeah. really nice. It's nice. Um, and what do you know about Snowpiercer? When when mean? does this happen? Oh, it's hard. It's hard to know. Like, um, 
It's supposed to. I think what they're doing is they're going to shoot a pilot. The The room was to do four scripts. Mm-hmm. Um, we wrote four scripts. They're shooting a pilot, I believe, in July or August. And I think the idea is when they shoot the pilot and they have all four scripts, they're going to make a decision. Okay. Interesting. Oh, Cable. It's oh, so cable. interesting. I know. Hmm. Um, and uh, Lindsay, you had a job and you're going back to that job. Yeah. Correct? I I took no meetings. <laughs> How nice um, for you. It was the first time. <laughs> I didn't know what to do with myself. I played um, a lot of video games. <laughs> tell us about the MacGyver room. Uh, is it a room heavy show? Uh, it is and it isn't. We uh, were a smaller staff, so as you kind of leave to write your script when you go off it the room becomes smaller and smaller so sometimes you end up like with leapfrogging rooms a little bit um mm-hmm. it's interesting in that like our because every room kind of has fiddle things like you have yeah, things in the room that yeah, writers fiddle important. with yeah <laughs> um so ours like i I brought in a lock pick, so we're all learning Ooh. to pick locks and Ooh, stuff. that's cool. Great one. Stuff like I would that. love that. It's very MacGyver. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> we're, we're trying to stay on theme. They also built a bomb. Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, <laughs> toy. I'm not going to lie. There may have been a couple of fires um, <laughs> as we try stuff. Perfect. I think, you know, uh, executive producer David, David Slack, Slack is an amazing person who Favorite has whole many... Um, burns on his hand now just because he wants to see if something works oh, mm-hmm. um, we've been outside trying things when like security does the slow pass in the golf cart wondering <laughs> what we're doing and we're like hi it's, it's fine <laughs> just going for a walk um, so that's probably the most interesting part of MacGyver is that we have to try like there was a I wrote a script with like a drop ceiling and I didn't know what it looked like so I'm like in my ceiling on top of a <laughs> On top of a table, and people walk in, they're like, What are you doing? I'm like, It's for the episode. And they're like, Okay. And they just like sit down and ignore <laughs> right. me for a while. I'm like, All right. oh um, so it's a lot of that just because you're like trying sure. things That's to cool. see if they work or what they look like. What, uh, um, how big is the room? Um, it's this season. How big was it at the end of two? Uh, I think there were eight of us at the end of seven or eight of us at the end of season one. I think there's eight or nine of us. Now and what is the makeup of the room? Uh, men and women, mostly uh, Sephora. Um, we're <laughs> two. We have two females, um, and the rest are male. Yeah, <laughs> that was so perfect. <laughs> it's just like, really know. seamless. I'm not even blanking. Um, I love Sephora. Me <laughs> too. Sponsor us, yeah. you guys. Hello, Sephora. <laughs> You're we'll just, send uh, we'll send them any samples that you send out. <laughs> any particularly <Great>. mascara. So. <laughs> um, Bridget, you were yeah. telling me about the makeup of the people of Earth. <laughs> yes, room. yeah. Um, also Sephora. Also, also Sephora. Sephora. Yes. Wow. Send those samples. Yeah. Um, but it's it is uh, unusual by especially by network standards. But yes. you guys are on cable. But but talk about that. Okay. A little bit, uh, so our room is fifty percent female and fifty percent people of color, and there's a lot there's an intersection there. So That's a lot awesome. of women of color, and it was a priority for Wyatt for the show in general that it on the writing side and on the production side and cast be diverse in that way and I think um, we've accomplished that and I don't I think without much effort to be honest we were the the area where we were deficient last season was in terms of directors hmm. what ended up we had one um, one one director of color and we were trying to, we tried to get a, a woman director. I, I, it's hard for me to know how much of 
what the network says or studio says is true regarding staffing for directors saying that they wouldn't take it or they passed because they weren't paying enough money or the scheduling was bad. Right. You I, don't know what's an I, excuse. I'm right. Sure. I have been on calls when I was an assistant and I will not say which show and I will not say which <laughs> studio where I have heard women executives sabotage other women directors and just say, I don't know if she's done enough. Like it's cause I get, they're trying That's to, the prote- they're trying to protect their product and it's their ass on the line. But at the hmm. same time, you got to start someplace. You got to get yeah. someone there. We're all in this together. Yeah, Absolutely. you know. <laughs> so, and there's not like it's not like there's not going to be a directing producer on set with that director. Like, there's right, a lot of, of fail safes. Sure. I, I think. Yeah. And so, this season we have a woman director, which is awesome. And we have a director of color, and it's we're really trying. We're making it a priority for us, That's and um, it's been great. And I think it has totally changed the scripts that we put out. Has totally changed the vibe in the room. I, you know, have. All of us we've spoken about it have felt marginalized at some point in other rooms because there wasn't that equality or there wasn't that balance. Right. And um, we were able to tell stories and jokes that we would never have come up with before mm-hmm. because those conversations weren't being had in other rooms. That's and fantastic. that's just been a delight, I yeah. have to say. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, is Wyatt in the room? No, he isn't. He's on set in Toronto oh, all the right. time. Of so course. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, it also, I mean, it also makes so much sense for your cast is a very diverse Yeah. Thing. You have all these different characters with different backgrounds who are united by this one thing. Mm-hmm. It feels like it would lend itself. <laughs> yeah. Like, the door is open. Here. Yeah, it totally is. <laughs> You'd be is. stupid not to have a diverse room. Totally agree. Which is true of every show, but, yes. but this in, in particular. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to ask about this on your uh, IMDb page. Lindsay, Ooh, me. Can, oh, God. Oh, hello. I don't... Out. I have yet to meet anyone who offered to update my IMDb page. You have a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot of I'll do it after this podcast. I do, yeah. Game of Thrones uh, Telltale game series? Yes. What was that? Um, tell, what did you do on it? Telltale, uh, if you're familiar with yeah. games at all, they're now on your phone, too. Uh, they make a lot of uh, narrative-based games. So they'll get a property and they'll release episodes of the game. Um, So to play the whole game, you'll need like five or six episodes and stuff like that. Um, And it's all just story-based. You make decisions and it throws you in a different path. And that's that's Telltale. adventure. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, And you still fight. Like, you have to fight. There's a lot of, like, hitting X. (laughs) I remember hitting X a lot. (laughs) Um, Because I tend to be the more violent game player. So I'm like, someone insulted me. I need blood. Um, So that was the experience that's what telltale is mm-hmm. the experience was uh they they got the property for game of thrones to develop that and they were looking for writers and i was uh luckily recommended to them because i was a huge game of thrones fan still am oh, okay Same. um so they flew and they were looking to do it in a tv model so to have a room because oh, video games are usually like yeah. the the writer in the video game is usually the game designer mm-hmm. Um, so, but they're starting to branch out a little bit. You see it with like the Tomb Raider series had Rihanna Pratchett for the first uh, reboot, and then they had a three writers, I believe. Mm. With, so you're seeing a lot more. So they want to do it like the TV model, especially because they were doing episodes. So they flew three. Two of us were TV writers, and one was a feature writer, plus an assistant out to uh, break basically the season of Game of Thrones game. Where? <laughs> Which would all, it was up north in, uh, it was north of San Francisco, so in mm. Marin. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, and we spent two weeks, uh, we had. The game we were told was to take place during season four, which had not come out yet. So we're all like, oh, <laughs> we're going to find out about season four. That's awesome. um, we're all very excited. Um, mm-hmm. And so we had, but you, it was the challenge of making a new, making a new family in the Game of Thrones series. 
and making people care about their story and following something Telltale had not done at that point, following multiple characters as playable characters. Mm-hmm. Um, before they had done the Walking Dead game where you were played as, a, the first season you played as Lee and you followed Lee through every single episode. So this was the first time they were committed to multiple characters because wow. that's how Game of Thrones tells stories. Right. So we were there for two weeks. We broke six episodes, I want to say, five or six. And we went off and wrote outlines for them and then they had to physically build the game. <laughs> Designers are very important. They build the game. Um, and then uh, I got on H. Carter, I believe. And then when I was on hiatus, I got a phone call or an email or something saying like, hey, they need help now because they're like in the middle of making this game and you're available. You want to come work on this game that you already worked on? I was like, yeah, because um, they're wonderful people. So I went up there and uh, worked on a couple. I think I'm credited on episode five, um, but we talked about a couple episodes and we worked on that and it was a lot of That's fun. Really neat. Yeah. That's I love cool. video games, so I was like, yes, any video <laughs> game credit, like, let's do this. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, it was fun. Um, I want to ask you a couple things before we wrap up. Um, sure. You've all, look, you're all going to be running your own shows within the next few years. Oh, God. Um, Go on. Are you listening, Universe? <laughs> Did you hear him? And he said it. <laughs> you've been in and around a, a lot of sort of heavy hitter rooms, like some really great and functional rooms, as well as some defunctional, uh, dysfunctional rooms. Um, I'd like to hear, like, what is the one or two things that you will take with you that you will put into practice in your, in running your own room? Uh, for me, I, I would... I, that's just my nature is to make people feel comfortable and to include people to be inclusive to make allow, allow people to feel as though they can be themselves because sometimes it's hard enough for writers in general I think um, but I think anything I could do to especially include staff writers to make them feel valued to mm. have them and to give them guidance when they are doing something wrong I think the bi- biggest disservice anyone could do to their own staff is to not give them feedback and because you're 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 grooming that person to be useful to you, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. more and more as they, as they move up to the ranks, and so that's what I would do is take extra special care of that, and also to make sure the room is uh, diverse and balanced because mm-hmm. it really doesn't uh, enhance your product. It absolutely mm-hmm. makes yeah. a difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we've gotten to see that the past couple of years. Yes, like, yeah. and also knows. having dogs allowed is very good. Oh. <laughs> Those are all dogs. very good answers. Dogs are important. They're like equally very good. <laughs> we all want to come work for you <laughs> and bring our You're dogs. All welcome. Yeah. Dogs, you say. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, I second all of those in a big way, um, especially the diversity thing I think is so important. Uh, diversity and women. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is also a little bit of your answer, but uh, communication, I think, is so you cannot over communicate. Totally. And you kind of think at a point like if you think you're like bugging people or you think like. Every I think every writer kind of feels like they are they hope they're doing a good job and just saying like this is what you can do or this is what you cannot do um, I think is has made like the difference of a job being like enjoyable or not to mm-hmm. me and yeah. uh, allowed me to do a better job when I knew um, how I could be helpful mm-hmm. um, and 
and it just allowed everyone to be like happy because when there's when communication starts to be kind of siphoned off, like people just kind of lose their minds a little bit. You're just guessing, like Am right? In trouble? Yeah, Things you're in like, a hey, void. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, need to know. you start assuming it's about you. Oh, totally. Right, of course, yeah. of course. <laughs> oh God, they hate me. They hate me, yeah. and they're just like, "What should I order for lunch?" And then you're, yeah, and you're in a room of all people who basically who are, are thinking, thinking that, that yeah. and that are all reinforcing each other's like psychosis. So yeah, he hates you. It's clear. <laughs> yeah. Totally you. <laughs> no, he's trying to order lunch, probably. Yeah. Well, I think That's, he hates you too. He, really? What? Oh. <laughs> well, he didn't. Yeah. So, God. yeah, I think just yeah. over over communication. That's what I would do. That's great. That's yeah. smart. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of education, as you said. Like, you can't you can't have a staff writer not train them how to mm. write or work on your staff or what you're looking for um, and all those things. And and that's true as you go up. You can't have a producer who doesn't know how to edit if you're not willing to right. show them how to be in an editing room. You can't, like, expect someone to just know how to be on set if you don't train them how you want them to mm-hmm. be on right. Like, things like that. So education is very important to me. And also um, just helping. I didn't get here. Nine years as an assistant. I didn't get here without <laughs> yeah. people reaching back and helping me and saying, like, let me know if there's an opportunity. I will help you. Like you have, hmm. you kind of have to be willing to send the emails, and you have to be willing to like, yes, I'll read your thing. Like, yes, I'll whatever. It's just we're we're all kind of in this together, and it's like help each other out, and we can do this, and and you'll just have an entire conglomerate of people who are at your back when you need them to. Yeah, so yeah. read it even when it's seventy pages. Even when it's seventy, <laughs> send the email that says why is this seventy pages, yeah. and then read it, and then say here's everything I want you to cut. Um, <laughs> Let's wrap up just by asking uh, what you were watching on TV these days. What are you excited about? What are you talking about with your friends, with your rooms, mm-hmm. with your uh, other people in your lives? <laughs> I didn't know how I was going to end that sentence. Uh, Lindsay, let's start with you. Oh, God. Um, I just watched, let's see, I watched Legion. Uh, so I, good. It's very Holy good. Shit. It's a, it's a very just, how they're crafting the story is very interesting to watch. Um, I just watched Big Little Lies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, enjoyed that. Um, and then what I... I watched a series of unfortunate events. Because <laughs> I love this show. <laughs> I here's the thing. I I love YA and I love uh, things aimed towards kind of a younger mm-hmm. generation. And the show is very much like it's a Wes Anderson movie, but shot like it's pushing daisies. So it was cool. so interesting just to see how they put it all together. And everyone talks in like this monotone. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening, but I kind of <laughs> love it. Um, I very much enjoyed it. Cool. Um, all right. Yeah. Good. I'll watch it. That's fine. (laughs) Fine. Um, I, well, I didn't watch this recently, but a show that I loved and I can't wait for it to come back is Lady Dynamite. That was Mm -hmm. such like a breakout show for me. I was just like, there's nothing like this and it's so good. So unique. I'm just, I can't wait for that to come back. Um, I just started watching Dear White People. I think it's so well written. It's so, Mm -hmm. I love the movie too, but like, I'm really enjoying that. And I'm, just I'm almost in watching Scream Queens. Oh. And it is so funny. Yeah. It's incredible. Like I, I'm writing a horror comedy, so I'm like, I don't watch Scream Queens. I had low expectations because like I've not heard anything yeah. and then it got it canceled, canceled and yeah. it was yeah. And I oh was, was like, it canceled? Yeah. yeah. Oh. And I'm really sad. But like 
the cast is incredible. It's so, it's funnier than like so many comedy. They just do like crazy. They take crazy swings. Is it awesome? I loved it. I do love the big swings. Oh, it's so it's <laughs> right. such a that's weird, what you get from a Ryan Murphy show. Of humor. Right? Yeah. Is it coherent in the way that his shows sometimes are not? <laughs> well, it makes sense, but the logic is ridiculous. There you go. <laughs> and but it's like refreshingly, yeah. especially because I've worked in a lot of sci-fi where everyone gets really caught up in the logic and so much like emotion sometimes gets sacrificed because mm-hmm. we have to like stick to the rules and like this is a show where like the rules and logic don't matter and they just like everything's a joke and it's just like very funny it's fascinating mm-hmm. so, I have to check it out that's yeah. cool good what are you watching uh, we were talking about earlier uh, Handmaid's Tale mm-hmm. my oh, yeah. friend calls it the sad lady show <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah. yep. Um, it's a sad everybody show it's a sad everyone <laughs> show it's a bummer all around no but I think it's great and captivating and challenging and confusing and I, I enjoyed that um on the comedy side, I'm enjoying the season of Veep very much. I thought last yeah, season was Veep's great. So funny. I was <laughs> like, t- we were, I was at a wedding last night, and everyone could, no one could stop talking about the Richard Sweat storyline of this uh, self husbandry, as he called it. I won't spoil it for anybody else, but it was such a funny joke. Um, and um, Catastrophe, if anyone has Oh, seen yeah. That, Catastrophe's great. Like, I mean, that's like the dream product, I think, if I could ever make something like that. Yeah, it's absolutely. so good. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are all good answers. Thank you guys so much for being here. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, it. Thanks for, for, thank you for having us. Having us. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 